it is a great week to be a Chiefs fan. But uh, what's going on with the run defense? Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Seth Kaiser, or known as Minnesota Chiefs fan. It is, like I said, a great week to be a Chiefs fan. The Chiefs beat the Broncos, maintain their status as the big brother in the rivalry, and that would be four in a row. In case some of you happen to be Broncos fans, which I can't believe a Broncos fan would listen to this, but just in case you are, just know that. Four in a row. The Chiefs, they also cemented their lead in the AFC West. They're three games up on anyone. There's no one even close to being remotely within sight of them for this point in the season. Um, It was just, it went about as well as it could have with regards to that. Now, there's some other things to talk about with regards to that game, but right now, I just want to talk about the fact that the Chiefs, halfway through the season, despite having significant issues along the offensive line in the form of injuries, um, despite, you know, maybe not getting the same kind of play they would have hoped they would have out of certain players, they are 6-2, and two, playing one of the most brutal schedules you could possibly imagine. It looked tougher each week, really. Maybe the only team that was worse than I expected that they've played so far have been the Broncos. Um, you know, the Broncos, I didn't expect their offense to be this bad. But their schedule has just been brutal. Almost every other team has been better than I expected. And they come out of that stretch 6-2. and two, And now they are getting into the, 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 uh, the easy part, as it were. Um, you know, they, they're, they're halfway through the season again. They're 6-2. and two. They've played one of the most brutally tough schedules in the NFL. And now, as they go down the stretch, they got a game against Dallas. Then they'll get their bye week, which they desperately need with some guys nicked up. Some guy, you know, especially we need LDT back. Mitch Morse returned, which was fantastic. But they really do need that bye week. Um, they've got a chance to go to Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be out. This is a great chance to go into the bye week 7-2. and two. I don't think even the most optimistic Chiefs fans would have guessed they would go into the bye week 7-2. and two. Um, They've got a great chance to do that. And then after the bye week, they've got a series of games. Some of them are tough. Uh, some of them not so much. You, you've got the Giants, the Bills, the Jets, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. Um, the toughest game there, in my opinion, is... The Bills, uh, they play a very physical style of football. I'm curious how the Chiefs will handle that. They've been more of a finesse team this year. Um, the Chargers have been a, have been tough, and obviously Oakland was able to beat Kansas City, you know, barely due to a lot of extenuating circumstances, but they were. But overall, the back end of the schedule is so much easier than the front end. And so it's just awesome to see the Chiefs come out of such a difficult stretch, 6-2, and two, better than I would have expected. And so one would think that people would be pretty happy right now. However, when I look on Twitter, I'm actually seeing a lot more angst and dissatisfaction than anything else. Um, There are actually quite a few Chiefs fans that are pretty fired up and pretty upset about the Broncos game. Um, There are a variety of reasons for that. Um, People are down mostly because of the run defense. You know, they gave up, you know, 150-plus rushing yards to C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles and Booker and the Broncos in general, who, while they've run the ball well some games, they haven't been a particularly great running team. Um, People aren't happy that the defense gave up 19 points to a bad Broncos offense, which, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, 19 points really isn't that many. But then the argument people make is that even though the Chiefs were gifted multiple turnovers, and some of those throws by Simeon really were gifts, that was bad, they still only held them to 19 points, and they only scored 29 on their own, which includes a uh, a defensive touchdown when Marcus Peters stripped the ball from Jamal Charles, which was an interesting moment in the world of feelings. Um, But... People are upset. Uh, they a lot of people really feel like the Chiefs should have won that game by 40. And honestly, after the uh, the first few minutes, it looked like they were going to. And it was so interesting, you know, <laughs> they were they were there in the red zone, knocking on the door when they had that ridiculous play call with Tyreek Hill throwing the ball and threw a pick. I firmly believe if they don't get cute there, I think they go up 21 nothing. And I think you got a whole different narrative today because that really helped 
Denver at least stay within a respectable amount. I'll be honest with you. I never thought the Broncos were going to win that game. The only time I became remotely nervous was when they came within one score late in the third. But even then, it just didn't feel like it was going to happen. It didn't. Um, and then the Chiefs managed to put together a, a relatively decent drive, score a field goal, stop the Broncos, score a field goal, and the game was just out of reach. I had no doubt the Chiefs were going to win. I had no doubt they were the better team after a couple, after a half of action. There was no doubt in my mind. But again, people are upset. The offense wasn't particularly sharp. Alex Smith wasn't particularly sharp. Kareem Hunt wasn't really able to get going. Um, the Denver defense, by and large, shut down the Chiefs' offense, particularly after the first quarter or so. Now, they were able to put together a few field goal drives, but execution wasn't very good in the Denver part of the field. And you just, you didn't, it was it was an unsatisfying win for a lot of fans because the run defense issue and the fact that the offense didn't seem to be able to assert itself against the Broncos. I guess I'm kind of in a different position than a lot of people that feel that way. I have a... I, what I see is a game where the Chiefs, they they, they basically uh, they left a lot of plays out on the field themselves. Um, you know, little things. You know, early in the game, there was a deep shot to Tyreek Hill after he cooked Chris Harris. Alex overthrew it a little. Um, it's the kind of throw he's been making all year. He just missed it a little. Um, so, you know, that's a 70-yard touchdown. Does that change your opinion of the game? Demetrius Harris in the fourth quarter dropping that touchdown pass from Alex Smith, that would have that would have put the Chiefs up by 20 rather than the score. They ended up getting a field goal, which was a horrific drop on one of Alex's best throws of the season. Would that have changed your opinion of the game? You know, people talk about the gifts that the that the Broncos gave the Chiefs, and there were certainly some turnovers, absolutely, but the Chiefs had a couple of their own. They had a couple of just boneheaded plays of their own. Like I said, Alex had that overthrow. Um, you had uh, uh, the, that horrible drop by Demetrius Harris. You had a couple of really bad drops that killed Chiefs' drives. Um, Alex Smith on a play where he actually made a really nice play to escape pressure and run for a first down. Um, he actually missed Demarcus Robinson running wide open deep. So the Chiefs did their own they, they did their own damage to themselves too. And so to say that, oh, if you take out the Broncos' mistakes, you know, they win that game. Well that's true. If you take out the Chiefs' mistakes and the Broncos' mistakes, guess what? The Chiefs still win that game. And so it's one of those things where, you know, yes, of course, if you take all the negative things from one team away but keep all the positives and the negatives for the other team, yeah, they're going to win. That's true of basically any win in the history of the NFL if you remove all the mistakes the other team made. And so I feel like the, uh, the concern has been a little bit overwrought. Um, at, at the end of the day, this is how I view it. You had the Chiefs on a relatively meh game from Alex Smith, where he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't very good, um, certainly not compared to what we've seen for most of 2017, I would say it was probably his second worst game of the year. Maybe third, but I mean, he just he, he didn't play nearly as well as what we've become accustomed to seeing. It was a lot more like what we saw in 2016, absent two or three throws, which... On an important note, Alex did still stick a couple of deep shots when he, they counted, which was a big deal and affected the game. But overall, he had a pretty meh day. He 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 had some happy feet, and the offensive line wasn't always doing well. Not just the offensive line, mostly Eric Fisher really struggled. But overall, it was a meh day from Alex. Andy Reid made a couple of absolutely boneheaded decisions early on. He had some poor clock management issues. And the offense did seem to crawl into its we-have-a-two-score-lead shell that we have seen time after time after time after time with Andy Reid in charge. And it's enough to drive you nuts. It leaves you with very few really satisfying wins for whatever reason. So you had the Alex issue. You had the Andy issue. Um... You, they gave up a ton of rushing yards, all that stuff. And at the end of the day, they still beat a division rival, Denver, one of the best defenses in the league, by 10. And it wasn't even really that close, was it? I mean, the fact that Denver managed to score a touchdown and then miss on the two-point conversion with almost no time left, no one really thought that that was going to affect the game. Um, it's kind of like you know people treating the, the Texans game like it wasn't a blowout. That game was absolutely a blowout. The Texans managed to score a couple garbage-time touchdowns. This game was not as close as 10 points. So despite all the issues the Chiefs had, they were able to handily beat the Broncos. And that should tell you something about where those two teams are right now. It should tell you something about where the Chiefs are. The fact is, they're just a better team. A significantly better team. 
And one thing I kind of got a kick out of watching was the fact that the roles have been a little bit reversed now. It used to be the Chiefs, uh, prior to to the last couple years, um, their offense was never terrible, don't get me wrong, but the defense was kind of carrying the offense. Now, make no mistake, the defense hasn't been very good this year. Um, Trevor Simeon bailed them out quite a bit, as did some of the Broncos' own drops. But the defense at least isn't horrific, regardless of what people think. And I'm sure a lot of you right this moment will turn off the pod saying, oh, well, he's not saying the defense is terrible. I'm not going to listen to this guy. That's fine. You want to believe the defense is terrible? That's fine by me. It definitely hasn't been performing very well, but it hasn't been terrible. And it wasn't awful against the Broncos, although the run defense was pretty bad. And that's going to be a main focus of the podcast tonight. Um, But... What you really have was a balanced team playing a team that doesn't have balance. And that's what happened with the Broncos. They don't have any balance. They've got a terrible offense and a great defense. And it was funny to see that from the other end. Being the fan of the team that actually has at least a little bit of balance. The offense can at least move the ball a little bit. The defense can at least make a few stops. And that's that's what the difference is between the Broncos and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are at least a little bit balanced. They're not dependent on one side of the ball completely. It was fun to watch. Speaking of fun to watch, um, and for what it's worth, I'm going to get into the meat of the podcast here after our first break. The main thing is I reviewed every uh, run play by the Broncos of five yards or more to try to get a feel for what exactly happened um, and why the run defense is struggling like it is. And so we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about two players specifically. One, a really fun topic to talk about, and one not quite as fun. Uh, starting with Justin Houston. I had a lot of people asking me how Justin Houston's doing. Is he hurt? Is he is is he done? Is he never going to be good again? Because he didn't have sacks a couple games in a row. And I, this this needs to be a public service announcement to you guys. We really need to stop basing the production of a pass rusher, at least on a game-by-game basis, of how, of whether or not he collected any sacks. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to get away from that. A big reason I do this podcast, a big reason I write on Arrowhead Pride, a big reason I do what I do, is to try to get people to think a little more deeply about the game. To really think about what's happening out there. And I've talked about this before. If you've got one guy who's commanding double teams and playing really well against the run and dropping into coverage effectively, but he doesn't pick up a sack, but he does have, you know, six pressures and a couple of quarterback hits on the day, versus a guy who collects some garbage sack that, or even two garbage sacks that a couple other players ran the quarterback into and didn't do anything else, which player is better? Player one, of course. But time after time, when you hear people talk about pass rushers, all you hear is, oh, he's not having the impact that he had, you know, that, you know, 22 sack season. Because that's all they care about is that one number that represents maybe one and a half to two percent of their snaps on the field. If that. The, the thing about Justin Houston is he played well against the Raiders, and I talked about that here, and no one really noticed. One thing I will say is that he did look a little less explosive, like maybe he was nursing some kind of, just something that, that was slowing him down a bit because he was mostly just bull rushing or using a long arm move, and he wasn't really trying to explode around the edge. Well, we watched him against the Broncos. It wasn't the fact that he was winning against both the right tackle and the left tackle. We expect that from Justin Houston. It's how he was winning. He The fact that he was exploding around the edge again, he looked to have that full range back. And I think he was playing at 90% against Oakland and maybe against the Steelers. But he looked back all the way, and he was so much fun to watch. He is just such a force, rushing the passer, defending the run, dropping into coverage. There was a nice moment during the game, if you watch the broadcast, where John Gruden talked about... He has, you know, a, a kind of a special chart he uses, you know, to gauge the impact of a defensive player that includes more than just tackles. You know, it includes, you know, hits and hurries and, and hustle plays and run stuffs and just some extra things. And he gives a certain amount of points for each play depending on how impressive it is and how and, and so what he did is he compared Justin Houston to Von Miller. And Justin Houston had I think it was like twenty two points at the time and he made a few more good plays down the stretch and Von Miller had like four. Justin Houston is wildly impactful on all aspects of the game, and it's he's just a treat to watch. And so I just wanted to take a moment and just say I am so happy to see Houston really just wrecking teams again. He has been far and away the best player on the defense this year, and I'm excited to see what he does down the stretch. Um, he, he's just a privilege to watch. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about Marcus Peters for a minute. And then we're going to go into the run defense, what I saw when I watched every snap, and what I think the major issues might be with the run defense. It's not going to be a fun conversation, but it's one that we really need to have. So we're going to get into that right after this. All right, Marcus Peters. If you are a Chiefs fan, and especially if you're the type of Chiefs fan that follows me, you have heard all kinds of things about Marcus Peters as of late. Um, most of them, you know, unfortunately, are bad. I'm not sure I've ever seen a fan base turn on a player as fast as they've turned on Marcus Peters. And let's face it, and I'm not going to talk about that issue here, not all of it has to do with what's going on on the football field. And we all know that. Um, there's a segment of fans that are very upset with Peters for something that has nothing to do with his play. And unfortunately, as often happens in those situations, even though it doesn't have anything to do with his play, people still talk about his play as though it does, which again is unfortunate. I wish people wouldn't do that, but it is what it is at the end of the day. So Marcus Peters, I like him. I I think he's a passionate player. He makes some boneheaded plays sometimes, but overall I think he cares a great deal about winning and about being great. From the sounds of it, he does a lot of low-key stuff in the community to try to help people out, and I think that's good. He seems to have a heart for kids. I retweeted a few things today talking about you know, just what he does, just when he when he runs into kids even in the neighborhood. Or sometimes he'll go out and find kids to buy shoes for. Just, you know, little random acts of kindness. I think that's great. Um, he also has gotten back on track in coverage. He's a good corner. He started off his career kind of a boomer bust type guy. He's not at that point anymore. He's generally very solid in coverage, and he's a great playmaker. Um, he's very dangerous to throw at. Everyone knows that. As far as being a corner goes, I think he's probably he's at worst a top 10 corner in the NFL. Probably a lot closer to top 5. The only issue that I'm having with him recently, and this is an issue that everyone knows and everyone's really started to pay attention to, is he has become almost allergic to contact. Now, not completely, because he had one really nice tackle on an out route late in the game. That was an important play, actually. So that was nice to see. But overall... Any game that you go back and watch, at least over the last few weeks, and maybe it's been happening all season, I just didn't notice it, you will find multiple plays where Peter shies away from contact, particularly when running backs have the ball. Now, sometimes it's because he's trying to reach in and strip the ball out, which, you know, it drives you nuts when it doesn't work. But when it does work, like what he did with Jamal Charles, holy crap, there's seven points on the board, and that's great. But... Other times, like against the Texans, he gets carried for 15 yards by a running back. I don't know what's going on with Marcus Peters. I genuinely don't. Um, Some people think that he doesn't care. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the case that he's waiting for a payday. I don't know what it is. Um, Because being a, a, a corner who's shy from contact, that's not a way to get paid. It's really not. Teams do care about that. Run defense matters. I don't know what his deal is, but I do know that he hasn't always been this way. Peters used to be willing to to make hits, and including on running backs, and really get himself in there. And for whatever reason, that's just lacking. And I'm really going to be watching that moving forward because, again, Peters is an exceptional corner. But for whatever reason, this season, he is just allergic to contact by and large. Not every play, but most of them. And if you go back like I did and you watch a lot of the run plays against the Broncos, you'll find two or three plays where it is, I mean, genuinely noticeable that he just lays back and doesn't do anything. It's as if he's a referee watching the play. And... That's bizarre, genuinely bizarre, and it's something that I hope someone gets in his face about. I did hear from someone on Twitter, and I could never confirm this, that was that was at the game live saying that they saw after a play like that Nelson go up and start chirping at, at Peters. Now, Steven Nelson, he's a real physical corner, and it was great to have him back on the field. He's not an elite corner, but he's a very solid one, and he played well against the Broncos, and he is also a helpful guy in run defense too. So maybe having him back will help motivate Peters a little more to get in there. I don't know. But that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. And I guess I've avoided talking about it for as long as possible. But we've got to talk about the run defense. It's got everyone freaking out, and rightfully so. Um, the, the Chiefs can't seem to stop the run. Um, they had a good week against the Raiders last week. 
they did very well stopping the run. They held Oakland's running backs to 3.65 yards per carry. Um, the only reason that the average was higher than that is because of a scramble by Derek Carr. Um, but they just overall, and we watched it happen against the Broncos, they could not stop them consistently when the Broncos just decide to, to line up and run the ball down their throats. And it honestly felt to me like the only reason why the Broncos, I, their offense, I feel like could have done better if they'd have really committed to the run. And for whatever reason they didn't. And Trevor Simeon let them down a few times. Um, and so there's, I've had a bunch of people ask me, well, what's the problem? And I wish it were that simple. Um, it's really rare in football that you have just one issue that creates, you know, a, a, a whole problem like a bad run defense. People love to blame individual players, and that's just usually not the case. Generally speaking, you have a whole conglomeration of issues before you end up with something like a bad run defense, and that's the case here. First and foremost, um, Bob Sutton seems to be making an intentional choice regarding defending the run, and this has become more and more known. You know, Tony Romo started talking about it. You know, two weeks back during the broadcast, um, Brian Baldinger was tweeting about it a ton earlier today. The Chiefs run a lot of sets where they've got two down defensive linemen. Um, it might be Chris Jones and Benny Logan. It might be Nacho. It might be Alan Bailey. You know, it just it it, it varies who's in there. And so they'll have they have formations with two down defensive linemen, those two, and those are the only defensive linemen on the field. And then they have Hully and Houston on the edges, as though they're 34 outside linebackers, and they're generally lined up in a fairly similar place to where a, a defensive end would line up. But they're generally speaking, they don't have a hand in the dirt, and they're playing like outside linebackers. And then. Um, even though it's almost similar to a 34 type thing, they usually only have in those uh, formations, they usually only have DJ on the field as a linebacker and they've got like a hybrid safety out there, you know, Sorensen or Murray who sometimes plays almost like a quasi linebacker role, sometimes is lined up elsewhere on the field. Um, those, that, that formation has been really bad against the run and that's just a matter of numbers. And I've talked about this before. It's a matter of weight uh, you just cannot expect a safety to play the run as well as a linebacker. There's a reason those positional distinctions exist. You can't expect a guy who weighs 205 pounds, 210 pounds, to play the run as well as a guy who weighs 250 pounds, 260 pounds. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of physics. And there's an addition to that. It's what a guy has been trained his whole life to do. Uh, most safeties aren't able to play like a linebacker. Of course, for years, the Chiefs have had an exception. Eric Berry can play like a linebacker, um, but Eric Berry is unique. Um, doing what he does, you've got Cam Chancellor can do it with regards to how he can just play linebacker if he really wants to. Um, besides him, there are not safeties in this league that can take on tackles or can take on you know tackles, guards, uh, offensive linemen, and defeat those blocks and shed them. Eric Berry's a unique player. He's, he, there's a reason he's one of the very best defenders in the NFL. He can do things that other guys can't do. And the current group that they have just can't do it. And so part of that is you've got a, a group that is already behind the eight ball just schematically. And it seems, I mean, it's it's obvious that Bob Sutton knows this. I mean, he has access to all the same information we do. He's got to know that that particular uh, style is worse than the other things that we do when we're in a regular 34 defense. Um, he's not an idiot. So why is he doing it? And as far as I can tell, the the big reason he's doing it is that stopping the pass is exponentially more important than stopping the run in the modern NFL. Exponentially more important. I can prove this to you, actually, in the blink of an eye. The Chiefs were horrible against the run, against the Broncos, and against the Steelers. In each of those games, they gave up under 20 points. They were good against the run, but not against the pass, against the Raiders. They gave up 31 points. It really is that simple. Um, now, obviously, correlation, causation, and like I just said, there's a whole lot that goes into this kind of analysis. But the reality is that passing the ball is way more efficient as far as scoring points and moving the football. And so, 
if you can stop the pass, you're in a much better position to win games, even if the other team can run. Running the football, you know, the old adage that you run, you know, you ground and pound, run, a strong run game wins games, it's just not true anymore. It isn't. There are a lot of teams that are not very good at running the ball, but they've got good passing attacks, and they tear defenses up. That's just the modern NFL because of the rule changes that have been made, um, because of how much smarter offenses have gotten regarding timing routes and, and various types of screens and pick plays. It's just really tough to stop a decent passing attack. The Chiefs definitely have one of those, and and, and you can see that even in times when the, the running game isn't always getting going. They can still move the ball. So I think Bob Sutton has made a conscious decision with regards to that hybrid safety saying, yes, we're going to sell out somewhat our run defense. We're going to do that in order to be stronger against the pass. Now, should he have to do that? Well, I guess if I had my druthers, they would have just gone out and gotten another three-down linebacker, which, to be fair, those are rare. But make it a priority because what ends up happening is you end up in a situation where you're at a disadvantage. Now, I think Bob Sutton has never had to address this reality because of Eric Berry's presence. But now, because he doesn't have Eric Berry, the, the, what was a weaker subset, but not devastatingly so, has become devastatingly weak. And... It's just a it's a problem because it used to be that there were several great run defenders that could compensate in Barry and in Justin Houston and in Derek Johnson. And now with Barry out, um, it's just not enough anymore. And also because, well, look, we're going to have to talk about DJ in a minute here. But I will say in addition to scheme, there's also some execution issues that I'm seeing, particularly the inside linebackers for the Chiefs have not been playing particularly well. They, they've been very hesitant. They've been picking the wrong gaps, but mostly it's a hesitation issue. They are letting guards and centers and tackles get to them. They are letting blockers get to them rather than just attacking and plugging holes. They are waiting for running backs to shoot through gaps and then trying to pursue, and it just doesn't work. Um, I'm seeing some of that with the safeties as well when they're up in the box. They are just getting overmatched. They are not just firing in there. You know, put your hat in the hole, try to plug it as best as you can, and hope for the best. Instead, it's like they're waiting, hoping that they'll be able to make the tackle. But the problem is, if you let a 300-pound lineman get momentum, you're in trouble. And so I've seen a lot of that. I've also seen, to a lesser extent, you know, the defensive line has taken a lot of heat. Um... And some of it deserved, but the defensive line has been better than the linebackers against the run. The problem is it hasn't been consistent. And that goes for every defensive lineman not named Benny Logan. Benny Logan, for the most part, has been solid against the run, um, as has Justin Houston. I'll be honest, when I, I went back and watched against the Broncos, the only two players I would be comfortable calling good run defenders, at least good consistent run defenders, would be Logan and Houston. That's it. Um, maybe Nacho still has got some potential and he showed some good stuff, but he also, he got washed on some plays. Um, Alan Bailey, he's being asked to do some things that aren't particularly his strength. He has some really good snaps and he has some really bad snaps. Same with Chris Jones, who unfortunately, um, has not taken a step forward from last year, and he has been very inconsistent as well. And so you've just got a lot of inconsistency. You just never know when one of the defensive linemen, again, outside of Logan. Logan had a few rough snaps, but by and large, he was pretty good. The problem is just having two guys play well against the run in Houston and Logan, that's not going to cut it. NFL offenses are too good for that. They're too good at blocking. And the biggest issue for the defensive line that I'm seeing is they're not getting off their blocks. They, they just are allowing their individual battle with one offensive lineman keep them in place for far too long. I don't know if it's a recognition issue. I don't know if it's a strength issue. I don't think it is because Chris Jones and Alan Bailey are incredibly strong men. But for whatever reason, they are not getting off their blocks fast enough. And that's contributing to the bigger problem, which has been, by and large, the inside linebacker and safety play and the bigger problem of the scheme that they are in. So what you end up having is a domino upon domino effect. You've got your two defensive linemen, your two down linemen, and maybe one of them doesn't get off his block which means he's just one-on-one, -on -one, which is a 
big win for an offense. And then you've got inside linebackers that are hesitating, so the linemen get to the second level. And then in the meantime, you only had the two defensive linemen to worry about. So then in the meantime, they can double-team Benny Logan, which is what often happens, without any consequence whatsoever. And suddenly they're at a huge disadvantage against the Chiefs, and they're already five yards down the field. I saw it time after time after time. They have got to figure something out here. I wish Bob Sutton would stop automatically going to nickel. I really do. I understand that he likes the safeties that he has, but I really would like to see him figure out some linebacker that he trusts enough to stay on the field um, or, or something, anything different. I would like to see him consistently keep three defensive linemen on the field. Okay, fine. If you, if you, if you can't trust another linebacker on the field, at least keep three defensive linemen on the field and still have Houston and the other edge guy, whether, whoever you've got in there, whether it's D Ford or Frank Zombo, whoever, have them playing actual outside linebacker roles, not standing up defensive ends, just waiting to get plowed into. Houston can handle that. Very few other guys can. And so, again, it's a conglomeration of issues. Um, what I saw, and like I said, I watched every single snap that was over a five-yard gain for the Broncos. It wasn't just the defensive line. It was mostly issues with regards to the linebackers and the uh, and, and the safeties having problems, um, which brings me to a topic that I really don't want to talk about. Um, Derek Johnson has... Uh, He's become a problem. He's a liability. Um, I, I don't have any other way of saying it. He he's he's hesitating far too long, um, which results in linemen getting to him. And when linemen are getting to him, he's not shedding blocks like he used to be able to. He used to be able to to cut around, juke around blocks. He's not doing that as well as he used to. Um, now keep this in mind. Everything I say, he does still occasionally flash, and you're like, hey, there he is. But all too often, it's not what you're seeing. And it's not just, you know, I hear a lot of people, oh, DJ's three steps slower. That's not the whole issue that I'm seeing. Yes, he definitely looks a step slower. But a lot of the stuff I'm seeing are mental errors that he didn't used to make. I'm seeing him pick the wrong gaps. Um, I'm seeing him fail to plug gaps entirely and instead almost step out of the way on, on the Booker six-yard touchdown. I mean, DJ almost invited him in. Now, the defensive lineman didn't win on their blocks, but DJ was the reason there was a gaping hole there. Um, there was a reason there was a gaping hole there on Jamal Charles's, you know first big run of the game, that 18-yard scamper. That was basically all DJ. Um, and the more snaps you watch, the more you can say, man, if DJ had even made an NFL average play there, that's a shorter gain. He's missing more tackles. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, he's, he's a step behind. He's not shedding. He's, he's just not getting off blocks. He, he's picking the wrong gaps. He's hesitating. He has been a below average run defender. And often on some plays that's being kind. Um, well, that was just a horrible three minutes for me um, because Derek Johnson is a great, great chief. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, one of my very favorite players of all time. But they say father time is undefeated. I guess here's what I would say. Um, it still hasn't been a calendar year since Derek Johnson tore his Achilles. Remember, that was very late in the season. The one thing that I'm hanging on to is that he's still getting healthy. I have no idea if that's the case. Um, I was hoping, because he looked better against Oakland, I was hoping we were beginning to see, you know, okay, maybe he's starting to get a step back. And then against Denver, he looked bad. Just bad the majority of the game. Now, he look, he still had three or four really good snaps against the run. He, he, you know, it's not like he was this horrible weakness literally every snap. But more often than not, he was. He, he did a lot more to hurt than to help. And so they got to figure out what they're going to do with that. Because right now... And look, he's 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 a captain out there. He's he's the defensive leader. Um, I don't know. You know. People say bench him. I don't know if that's an option. I really don't. Um, but they've got to figure out something because a lot of the defense relied on him to play very well, if not great, and he's not anymore. In fact, he's being a hindrance more so than a help. And so thus endeth... Uh, the Minnesota Chiefs fans' self-loathing review of what he saw in Derek Johnson's film. I'm going to take a break and try to, uh, you know, I don't know, 
drink a bottle of bleach or something. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to actually do that. But I am depressed. And so I'm going to take a, we're going to take a break. We're going to go into mailbag questions that aren't about the run defense, which hopefully you feel you've got a little more knowledge as to what's going wrong there. Um, can those things be fixed? I don't know. Um, with better execution, certainly, um, if there's a little more consistency from the defensive lineman, if you just get a 5% uptick in play from DJ, yeah, those things can be fixed. But right now, it's a concern, and it could be a major weakness. So, you know, it could be that Bob Sutton needs to start changing up what his philosophy is there. I already know that he started giving Nacho more snaps in the base defense because Chris Jones has had issues with consistency. And so I know he's willing to change things up. So I think we'll see something. I mean, he just benched Terrence Mitchell for Acker, which we'll talk about during the mailbag portion. So, you know, the people saying, oh, Bob Sutton won't change things up. He will. He will. He'll at least rotate out personnel, and he'll start to do some things differently schematically. Um, and I don't really have time to get into it, but he did a few things differently against Denver. Um, not to much effect, but I think we'll see some changes get made if things don't improve. But overall, the run defense is just bad. That's it. Outside of Logan and Houston, there are not there are not players that are plus players against the run, and they're going to have to figure out a way to compensate for that quickly if they don't want to get exposed down the stretch. Because one way for inferior teams to beat superior teams is to be able to run the ball on them. All right, we're going to take a quick break, then do some mailbag. All right, a lot of you gave me mailbag questions, and I really appreciate it. I wish I had time to get to all of them, but they were like, they were like 60, and I just don't have time for that. And so, um, and then let's face it, none of you want to listen to that, right? That's a long time. And so I've got like eight or nine here that I'm going to go through. We're going to talk real quick about the Dallas game, and then we're going to call her a day. Um, Derek Lowe asks, uh, thoughts on Acker versus Mitchell? Um, Now, I need to review the All-22 because reviewing corners with the broadcast view is ridiculous. Now, I reviewed the All-22 defensive snaps against the run, but I didn't focus on Acker and coverage. Here's what I do know. Um, He really got bailed out by a few drops uh, by the Broncos. And Acker consistently, when I've watched him on film in the past, has been a big step down from Terrence Mitchell. Now, Mitchell's having a rough season, especially with penalties, but he is a physical, physical, physical corner that makes wide receivers miserable to play against him. Um, and he's he's also very physical in run support. And so I personally like Mitchell. I, I always have. I've stumped for him multiple times. He's had an up-and-down year. He's had a tough job being opposite of Marcus Peters because he's going to get targeted a ton. Um, I'm curious what they do moving forward. As far as Acker goes, he's consistently been worse in coverage than Mitchell, in my opinion. He's not quite as quick in and out of breaks. He's not as good at mirroring routes, and he's not as good contesting the ball. Uh, Look, I understand he got an interception. That was one of the worst throws I've ever seen a quarterback make. That was awful. And so I can't really credit him that. I personally, you know, hey, if Acker earns it and takes it away from Mitchell, the defense can only be better for it. But I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Mitchell back sooner rather than later. Um, the the next question is from a Mr. C. David, my guy Charlie, my uh, I, which I'll always say, my awesome Kansas City host this year. Um, he asks, uh, has Alex Smith reverted back to his old self? I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Uh, we're just coming off a really good game he played against the Raiders. And so I think, you know, Denver just has a really stinking good defense. They're good in coverage. They good, they're good getting after the passer. They're just good. Um, Alex definitely had some inaccurate throws, and that was an issue. But you got to keep in mind that he made some big-time throws, too. And so I would say Alex's old self, quote-unquote, in 2016 – I don't think the Chiefs, I I think that's a closer game against the Broncos. Alex was mediocre for 2017 Alex against the Broncos, which would still be one of his at least pretty decent games for 2016. He made some good deep shot throws. He, uh, the, the offense as a whole kind of stagnated, but overall, I think you saw just enough of what we've seen this year to where I'm pretty confident that Alex will be, he'll be fine. Um, Denver's just that good a defense, but he, he managed to play through it and he made a couple of really big plays when it counted. The chiefs needed an extended drive and they needed points. So I'm, I'm really not that worried about Alex Smith. He's played at an MVP level this year. 
uh, for the most part. And so we'll see what happens against Dallas. But, I mean, he bounced back great in the Raiders game after a tough game against the Steelers. I expect him to do the same with Dallas. And make no mistake, he was much better against Denver than he was against Pittsburgh, at least by my first viewing. We'll see what the All-22 says, but that's how I saw it there. Um, Chance Hogg, which I love I love your Twitter handle, at Old Geezer. <laughs> um, he says, how are you liking the new spread read option type offense Andy is running? I think it's brilliant. It is so much fun to watch. Andy Reid has essentially created a new offensive scheme. And if, if you even look at, like if you just Google Andy Reid new offensive scheme, you'll come up with some really great articles on what he's done. He's essentially, um, to really oversimplify it, he's essentially blended together um, you know, a, re- a spread offense with read option concepts, blending that together with his West Coast offense with vertical concepts kind of built into it. And it's kind of the smorgasbord, but that's really what offensive systems are, right? They're kind of a smorgasbord of, of, of things that are already there. There's very rarely anything new under the sun. And it's it's been awesome. And it's really helped Alex become his best version of himself. And um, I think it takes advantage of the personnel that the offense has. And I think, you know, looking forward to 2018, and again, I think the Chiefs are Super Bowl contenders, so I'm not thinking about next year too much. But I think looking forward, I think this is the type of offense that you really like the idea of a Pat Mahomes being in. So I love it. I I think it's great. And and I think Andy Reid deserves to be coach of the year because he has just done a brilliant job with that offense. Um, From Aaron Elder, he asks, uh, why has our running game been so suspect the past three weeks or so? Hunt hasn't been able to get going. Um, well, the Steelers game, he only ran the ball nine times. So I, I, I throw that one out. They, they gave up on that way too early, in my opinion. Um, the Oakland game, you know, he wasn't able to get going. He had a few decent runs. Uh, I think he averaged he averaged a little over four yards of carry, but a lot of that was on one big one. Um, teams are keen on him, and Denver was definitely keen on him. They were stacking the box early, um, and the Chiefs just decided not to challenge him deep to make him pay for it. Now, I don't know if it would have been different if the game had been closer and if the offense kind of climbed into its shell or what, um, but I do think right now you're seeing teams start to really key on Kareem Hunt the way they used to key on Jamal Charles. The run blocking hasn't been great. Um, I think it'll be way better with Mitch Morse back in there. Um and Fulton at guard instead of Irving. Um, I think it'll be even better when LDT comes back. But I think Morse's first game back, you're going to be knocking off Rust. They were playing one of the best two run defenses in the league. So I'm not too worried about that. I think the the run game would have been a lot better with LDT out there instead of Fulton. No disrespect to Fulton, but LDT has become an elite guard, and you miss that guy because he was such a big part of how they ran the ball. And so it's something to keep an eye out for. Um, but I do think teams are starting to key on Hunt just because he's been so brilliant. And so it's going to be on Alex to continue to do what he's been doing and make them pay enough to where they can't just key on him the way they used to key on Jamal Charles. Um Harvey Mahomes, that can't possibly be your real last name, but you know what? I like it anyway. Um, he asked, you think Jones will ever be a dominant lineman, or is this his ceiling? Or this the ceiling? Um, and that kind of goes back to something that I said a little bit earlier, that it seems like Chris Jones has either plateaued or regressed this year. He's just not... I was really hoping he would take a big step forward. He had a great rookie year. Um, but this year he's been about the same and actually probably a little worse, maybe a little less consistent and less flashy than he was his rookie year. Um, it's unfortunate. I think, I don't think this is the ceiling at all. I think he's got so much physical talent that it would be stunning to me if this was, if this was his ceiling, but it does seem like he's kind of got a bit of a sophomore slump going on. His consistency has just been up and down. He'll have some snaps where he looks absolutely unblockable unblockable and he has them frequently enough to where he's well worth having out there on the field he'd start on virtually every team in the nfl and he'd be a plus player it's just he also has snaps where he overruns the play or he gets held he gets held up one-on-one against an individual blocker and he can't get off his block and so i just think he needs to work 
Um, he needs to figure out his pad level. He needs to figure out his hand fighting, and he needs to get a little bit less reliant on his raw gifts. That's my analysis of him. And yeah, I mean, who knows? I'm sure the guy works hard, but he definitely hasn't taken a step forward like we thought. However, you do get a lot of guys who hit a sophomore slump in the NFL. I'm not stressing about it too much. He's still a good player. It was just I was really hoping that he could be great because he was already a good player his rookie year. So we'll see what happens moving forward there. I've got three more left here. Um, this was a really common one from Potter. How did K-Pass look when he was in? I have no idea, guys. I'm sorry. I wish I had some really good insight for you. But it was kind of garbage time by the time you went in. They were obvious passing downs. Um, he didn't really shock me in any way, shape, or form. He didn't do anything that I thought was crazy. He did have one play where he beat the uh, the chipping running back and the right tackle as well. And he could have got there if the ball hadn't come out pretty quick. Um uh, he, he looks huge. Maybe looks a little smaller than he did, you know, three months ago. Um, but still looks huge out there for an edge. Um, looks fast. Uh, looks like he belongs at edge. Um, but I just didn't see anything in particular to really report on. And so, I mean, you know, it was interesting to see that they got him snaps. And Andy Reid said later on they intended on getting him snaps. So I'm hoping to see what that means moving forward. And I hope it means good things for him. Because him being able to contribute down the stretch, anything, would be a big, big deal. Uh, Eric Williams asks... How has the physicality of the safeties been? Obvious drop-off without Barry, but it seems to be an issue outside of maybe Sorensen. Yep, that's an issue, definitely. Um, I'll just say this about the safeties. Um, in 2014, when Eric Barry went down, or uh, didn't go down, but you know, he had cancer, um, the Chiefs' defense didn't exactly miss a beat. They were still they were still very good. They maybe weren't quite as good as they could have been, but they were still a really good defense, and a lot of people have pointed to that as evidence that they could live without Barry, myself included. As the year's gone on, I've thought more and more about what happened that year. And it's important to remember that the Chiefs' um, safety group, once Barry went down, consisted of Ron Parker, Hussein Abdullah, and Tyvon Branch. And... What we're rapidly finding is that Sorensen and Murray are no Abdullah and Branch. Now, uh, Branch wasn't a world beater, but he was very solid um, as a run defender and as a, as a rangy guy in, 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 in coverage. Um, uh, you know, a veteran guy. He, he did a good job overall. And Hussein Abdullah was a very, very good safety. He was an exceptional safety. Um, was he an all-pro like Barry? No, but he was kind of like, I always thought of him as like Barry Light. He was a lot like Barry in the sense that he was good at everything. And he was especially good. Uh, he could he could play man coverage against anyone because uh, he was very, very quick. He was he was a great presence against the run. He could actually pull off that uh, hybrid linebacker thing. Um, he wasn't as good at it as Barry because almost no one is. Maybe no one is. But he could do it. Um, and so... What the real problem that we're having with the safeties right now is Ron Parker's still there, and Ron Parker's still very good in coverage, um, but he's not really a great run defender. And the other two guys are much more limited players than Abdullah, especially, and Tyvon Branch. Because Tyvon Branch was a, a solid all-around defender, too. He was pretty good against the run, pretty good in coverage. Um, and he was, like, you know, if you're going to compare, say, you know, Sorensen to Abdullah. Abdullah is significantly better in coverage, uh, quicker, faster, better instincts, better tackler. Um, you know, he's just a better overall safety. You compare Branch to Murray. Um, Murray maybe might be a little faster, but Branch was was a much more savvy vet, um, more physical presence against the run, more all-around guy, more as far as a player. Um, so. I just think what you're seeing there is just the the talent just isn't there like it was in 2014. And the safety's just, I mean, Sorensen is physical, he's willing to play physical, but he just isn't able to, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak kind of thing. Uh, he's not a, necessarily a weak player, but he's not able to do the role that they're asking of him. He's not Eric Berry. And that's the real problem that he's, that he's having. And so... You know, the, as far as the physicality goes, Parker's not necessarily a physical player. He's best in the back end, um, covering deep, because he's got good range and good instincts back there. But overall, the safety group is just not as talented without Barry, and that's been a major reason for the defensive struggles. One more, and I think we're going to have to actually nix the Dallas preview other than to say that it's going to be an important game. I hope the Chiefs win big, especially without Elliott there. It'll be a good chance for them. Again, 7-2. and two. 
with a brutal schedule heading into the bye dream scenario for the Chiefs. Um, which kind of leads into this last uh, question. Max Reaper, I'm sorry if I got your name wrong there. He asked, other than the Steelers, what NFL contender in either conference creates the most matchup problems for Kansas City? As I thought about this question, I realized how confident I really am in the Chiefs, which is very. There's not a team in the league outside of Pittsburgh that I'm legitimately afraid for the Chiefs to face in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. You know, everyone's the best team in the league right now is the, the Eagles. They already beat the Eagles. Um, and, uh, and, you know, people say, well, they wouldn't now. Based on what? Other than us thinking that they might somehow be different? You know, they, they took the Eagles' best shot, and Wentz played a pretty decent game, and they still won because Alex really outplayed them. Um, and the, the defense played pretty well. I mean, they did a lot of good things against the Eagles. They went shot for shot with them. They went shot for shot with the Texans. They beat them very well. They beat the Redskins. They, they beat the Patriots. They, this is a good, good, good team. And I realize there's not a single team in the league I'm afraid of outside of the Steelers. That's it. And the Steelers scare the crap out of me because, for whatever reason, they are kryptonite to Justin Houston. They are kryptonite to Alex Smith. And the Chiefs just cannot seem to assert themselves against them. The Steelers just own them. And other than that, though, are, are the Chiefs as good a team as I was hoping maybe they would be? I'm not sure. But I do know that there's not a team that scares me. I, I if, if they were like, well, yep, they got to go play the Patriots at, uh, in New England, I'd say, okay. Because I think they match up well against this, the Patriots. They do fine against elite defenses. They 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 they're really they they they're not able to you know score forty on them, but they're able to do a few things. And so they're genuinely and maybe this is a non-answer. There's not a team that scares me. Um, you know, if you look in the AFC West, I'm not afraid. Yeah, the Raiders beat them. Wow, good for them. I'm not afraid of the Raiders. I'm not afraid of the Broncos. The Chargers maybe a little because just because their pass rush is so good. But the Chiefs have found ways to beat great edge rushers for years. And so I, there just isn't another team in the league that scares me. The Chiefs are in great position to make a run here because they're they're a tough team to beat. They are a tough team to beat. The only two losses they have are two extremely close ones to two very talented teams, one of whom is a Super Bowl contender, and then the other one's the Raiders. And so there's a lot of reason to be very up on the Chiefs, despite the fact that, at least on Twitter right now, it's pretty in to be down on them. Uh, we'll see what the what, what happens against the Cowboys. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. I think they're going to continue to be on track to have a really good year and make a deep playoff run. I'm excited to see it. I, I Like I said, there's not a team in the league that scares me outside of one, and that's a testament to the fact that the Chiefs are a very, very good football team. And that is why today is a good day to be a Chiefs fan. I appreciate you listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe and review and rate and all that fun stuff. It does make a difference. Um, I look forward to, uh, to speaking with you guys next week. This has been the Chief in the North, the land of 10,000 takes, and I will talk to you guys next Monday. <laughs>